The Nonprofit Hour, a weekly look at Portland's nonprofits and do-gooders, with interviews, profiles, and documentaries. This is the Nonprofit Hour program here on X-Ray FM. The show is brought to us by the Media Institute for Social Change, a public interest media lab that works to inspire, empower, and engage emerging media producers. I'm Jason Dennington. On today's show, we're going to be hearing about a couple of organizations that steer slightly away from our traditional sense of what a nonprofit is. In the second half of the program, Phil Bussey speaks with two members of the organization Awesome Portland, which is not officially a nonprofit, but instead a group of trustees that comes together every other month to evaluate proposals from artists, musicians, environmentalists, social justice activists, technologists, and all manner of Portland dreamers who have ideas about how to make the place we live even better. They hold a live event party where applicants make the pitch for their idea and at the end of the night award the grant winner $1,000 cash to make their dream a reality. First up, though, we'll listen in on a conversation Phil had with the current executive director of Portland Community Media. This nonprofit has a unique funding model based on the federal mandate that cable television providers deliver content that serves their local community and is responsible for operating the numerous community access stations we have in Portland and the content they provide. PCM's Justin Harn tells us about his background prior to coming to his current post and how that impacted his experience, the history and goals of Portland community media, and plans for how they hope to leverage emerging media technologies to bring the organization into the future. Now on to that talk, here's Phil Bussey. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Media Institute for Social Changes Nonprofit Hour. I am pleased to be sitting with the the new, fairly new, uh, Executive Director for Portland Community Media, Justin Harn. Thanks for having me. Very Abs- uh, yeah, very happy to be here. Absolutely. And and now you've you've been in the job. We're we're just we're you're counting this on two hands the number of weeks you've been there at this point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. This is I think my sixth week at this point. So I'm still kind of learning the ropes and. Uh, uh, getting to know folks in the community and uh, kind of formulating uh, uh, a plan <laughs> for the future of PCM, yeah. Yeah, so let's we're we're gonna talk about where you're coming from and and where you're hoping to take uh, PCM Portland Community Media. Uh, I mean, you said you're getting to know people in the community, but you're 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 well networked already because you you were working at Hollywood Theater. Yeah, I was at Hollywood for about. Um, Sheesh, almost eight years or so, and uh, had a great experience there. Um, kind of uh, was on board there when the organization wasn't really doing so great. Um, we're kind of in the red, and we're really able to kind of turn it around from being this really insular organization into um, really kind of like a, a community center where filmmakers and artists and creative people were able to come together to create interesting content and to kind of rethink, you know, what is a contemporary movie theater. What does that mean today? <laughs> and how do we get people, uh, how do we get butts in seats, um, given the fact that, you know, there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's HBO now, there's all of this great VOD content, um, on-demand content. Um, so it was a really fun creative challenge to kind of figure out how do we how do we create an environment offline that is conducive to that sort of interaction and, and, and just overall fun and good times, really. <laughs> and and so many of those elements, Justin, of of what you 
uh, did uh, with Hollywood theater and bringing it um, back to life and bringing it into really a new incarnation, it, it seems like those are going to come into play at Portland Community Media. So I, I just want to talk a little bit more about what happened with the Hollywood. I mean, yeah, because it, it, it is both the programming and the physical location as well that's important. Yes. No, absolutely. There's so much goodwill in the community. Um, and, and also, I mean, it was a, it was a team effort. I mean, uh, Doug White was the ED over there, still is. Amazing leader, really, uh, uh, you know, led and, dro- and drove the transformation, specifically the cultural transformation that allowed for everything to take place. Dan Halstead, amazing programmer, head programmer over there, responsible for all the 70 millimeter stuff that has been going on lately. And I mean, we had a team of, geez, dozens and dozens of folks that were um, providing uh, creative ideas, energy, programming concepts, and actually on the ground, like really making stuff happen. And it's kind of akin to X-Ray in that way. You know, we we had a, a, a huge, huge number of volunteers that were just kind of passionate and excited and felt like, you know, this this theater was 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 theirs. You know, it was like an extension of their of their living room. It was a place they could throw parties. It was a, a, a fun place where they could be themselves and, and feel like they're a part of something more. And I, I mean, it, how much does it matter though that you're moving from something about movies to television? Yeah. Because people do interact very differently mm-hmm. with those two mediums. Well, I guess I'm attracted to anachronisms. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I got involved with movie Start theaters. Start up a horse and buggy company. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's next, that's next. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I, I started in, in uh, exhibition and movie theaters when um, they were essentially going out of fashion. Everyone was, everyone was predicting the end of cinema as we know it um, because people were going to be watching movies on their on their gigantic smartphones and tablets and all that good stuff. We, we saw that that didn't really happen, but it was fun to, to be a part of that, um, that time period when we were really having to kind of conceptualize and, and rethink what, that's, what that whole sphere, what that space looks like as far as exhibition is concerned. And similarly, I feel like this is a really fun challenge as well because um, as far as, you know, PCM has been known, Portland Community Media has been known uh, traditionally as a, it's a cable access station. And media is changing. Only 20% of people have cable uh, in the city any longer. So it's, it's really not reaching as many people as it as it could. So um, in the same way that we kind of thought about um, a, a movie theater, which is, you know, this, this sort of like populist center for a very um, uh, uh, traditional uh, form of storytelling, something that, that everyone's familiar with, highly accessible, um, we were able to kind of play with and think about the future of story and transmedia projects, intermedia, um, where story is going, how technology and, and story kind of interface in, in, in dynamic, profound ways. And similarly, um, you know, I see the potential for that sort of work at PCM as well, um, because we are in a very fortunate position to have um, funding from the city for the next for the next six years. Um, and uh, with that funding comes tremendous responsibility. And I just want to make sure that um, that we are uh, equipped and thoughtful and inviting the community in in order to uh, to, you know, as we did with the with the Hollywood in terms of what is a movie theater, rethink what is a community media center. Um, currently, now that um, you know broadband is everything, <laughs> cable access, um, while while important, and still has has a range. I mean, we're able to reach hundreds of thousands of people via those channels, but most folks are you know they're they're um, pulling content from 
from YouTube offline, any of the any of the apps, folks really aren't turning on the TV any longer. You know, they're not watching Channel Twelve. Uh, they're you know they're they're uh, pulling up uh, Hulu or Netflix, HBO Now or whatever that is. So how do we demonstrate value and relevance? given the fact that technology and distribution is changing so rapidly. And I think that that's a really fun thing to kind of play with and to and to think about. And um, again, we're fortunate to have some resources to be able to to do that, to experiment, to demonstrate best practices, and, uh, and really serve as a platform to elevate emerging artists and filmmakers in the city um, to create something amazing. Yeah, and, I, and we're going to take a music break here, but I, I want to talk about a lot of the things that you just touched on, the, the funding is very interesting, um, security that a lot of nonprofits don't have, uh, as well as this this changing idea of what community media is and can be. Because I think typically it's been somewhere between uh, Game of Thrones and, and YouTube <laughs> cat videos, you know, and, and, and position the, the, the uh, notorious naked guy. Yes. <laughs> um, who used to have a, a fantastically... Uh, uh, Jim Spag. Jim yeah, Spag. The, the legend. <laughs> show on Portland Community Media. It was hard to take your eyes off of this man who would vacuum naked and, and air it on Community Media. I want to talk about some of the programming opportunities that are there. Yeah. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I am talking with the still relatively new Executive dire- Director for Portland Community, Justin Harn. And we were talking a little bit about what is community media. Traditionally, uh, some of the programming has been a little bit oddball. (laughs) Yes, uh, absolutely. Or even uh, fodder for Saturday Night Live skits with, you know, two guys in a fern. (laughs) We actually have lots of fake plants. That was one of the first. That was one of the first things that I noticed. I was touring the studio, um, and um, there's just a like this um, this amazing collection of fake plants from over the years. So, yeah, folks are looking for uh, for fake plants. We can supply that. We have great technology, but also, yeah, uh, that's that's the first order of business to absolutely. break from the past is get rid of the plants. <laughs> I like the plants. I think they're. Cool. Oh, I think that. So it's kind of interesting in terms of embracing um, that aesthetic to some extent because it's kind of come back around as far as like. You know, the Tumblr aesthetic, um, uh, folks like uh, Brock Fansler and uh, Experimental Half Hour, Eric Mast um, and, and his team with Heavy Breather have really kind of demonstrated what you can do with the medium in terms of taking it to the next level. I mean, even Stephen Colbert, before he went on his uh, uh, his uh, or he, he got his um, late night show, he was kind of trying stuff out on, on local cable access, which is kind of funny and, and, and goofy. And so I think there's tropes and, and interesting things um, that... Uh, are prevalent as a result of various vanity projects over the years that are kind of fun to play with. But I also think historically, uh, community media has very much been like first come, first served. And uh, generally how that's worked is that those that are able to get there first are generally, um, it's not necessarily an equitable solution uh, because those that are able to get to the finish line first and grab the equipment are those with more free time, uh, you know, a little bit more um, resources. They tend to be older white males. And uh, we want to be able to continue to support, you know, our core and the folks that have been uh, a part of PCM for so long, but also... um, working to um, to curate and to bring in artists and uh, and creatives in the community that have a, uh, a strong voice and point of view to be able to create really excellent 
content as well. Um, I was speaking with uh, a filmmaker lately who just started a um, a collective, and and their budget is is a twentieth of what PCM's budget is, and yet they're out there, they're winning Emmys, and they're producing content for HBO, shortlisted for Academy Awards. So um, my dream, my hope, really, is to be able to um, to interface with with the pro filmmaking community, the storytellers in town, um, in order to provide them with the services, the equipment that they need, in order to, to help to commission um, and to to produce really um, profoundly um, high quality works. Yeah, and I think that's a really interesting, uh, a really important goal for Portland Community Media. There is such a burgeoning talent of filmmakers Absolutely. in this town and Portland Community has this incredible platform. Mm. Uh, three, four stations? Six stations. Six stations. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it would just seem, how, how does one, and, and again, you are fairly new in this job, and this, yes. this is probably your $64,000 question Don't to hold me to any of this. <laughs> <laughs> this didn't even happen. <laughs> how, does, how do you bring that talent to that platform. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's it's kind of emulating what we did at the Hollywood, which was we were genuinely curious about the folks that we were serving. We wanted to 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 have a relationship with folks that loved film in Portland and just in having those conversations that, you know, just happen organically, we got a sense of what folks needed. And we're we're being a bit more tactical at PCM, but we're we're you know having inter- informational interviews with leaders in the field, as well as surveying, uh, defining uh, broad needs assessments in order to to ensure that we have the gear, the resources that 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 folks want. Um, we're also heavily investing in our in our youth programs. Um, and that's something where I feel like we're always learning more things and we're always being challenged in terms of assumptions that we have. Um, whereas at the Hollywood, we had education programs as well. And in speaking with the young people, um, we, 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 uh, you know, delivered these amazing cameras, this incredible, uh, you know, video, uh, or production curriculum. And essentially they were, they were like, oh, I want to make video games. <laughs> so it turns everything on its head. So really, um, uh, this next year is an investment year in terms of scoping out needs, wants, interests, where the community's heading, and um, uh, defining a, a, a group of advisors, a, a committee that can help us to, to meet the needs. Um, and also a lot of positioning, too. Um, you know, working with, with organizations where we can provide an immediate benefit in exchange for um, heightened visibility and credibility. Because I think, as you mentioned previously, community media is a, uh, it's a, it's a tricky thing. There's a lot of stigma um, around it. And um, as Jefferson Smith oftentimes says, um, uh, I've, I've been repeating this cra- like crazy since, since uh, I heard this from him. But yeah, but community is a, is a really fantastic noun, but a really tricky adjective. Um, as a qualifier, it um, implies that something is, is, is less than um, or of lower quality, uh, lower than professional quality. And um, again, like while maintaining access across all fronts, making sure that, um, that we're able to support folks at any stage of, 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 um, of their creative journey, that we are cultivating these, um, uh, these relationships with professionals in order to facilitate not only higher level content, but also to allow folks that are coming in um, 
you know, with limited experience to provide them with the uh, the peer mentorship and the sort of information or the informal networking opportunities that will allow them to to take their um, practice to the next level as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I that word community is tossed around freely. Absolutely. Uh, and it's also it's part of your organization's name, Portland Community Media. Yes. <laughs> and and you're coming from the Hollywood Theater. That is a different community than what Portland Community Media, uh, both physically where it is yes. on MLK. Absolutely. Uh, as well as what it envisions serving. Can you talk a little bit more about that in terms of, you know, really what, what are you hoping Portland Community Media, what do you hope that that community will be? How will you define that? Absolutely. And I think it's something where we as a platform, as a facilitator, um, will create the, we'll, we'll set the table <laughs> and invite everyone to the party, basically. And collectively, we'll define what this all looks like. Um, and as I kind of mentioned, we're, we're looking at an investment year where we're again, inviting inviting as many folks as possible to inform this process. But kind of what we're envisioning for the for the space itself is that um, the space in this town is is at a premium, uh, growing, you know, <laughs> uh, in in terms of uh, you know having uh, the the footprint that it does. Um, it's just a tremendous asset for the community. So. What I would love to see is to is to bring that to life. Um, a lot of people I, I've, I've been hearing from folks they drive past PCM, Portland Community Media, and they they don't know they don't know what it is. It looks very institutional. It looks very scary. There's no entrance on MLK though. It has um, a lot of um, uh, storefront space there. Um, actually, storefronts that existed have been boarded up, and it's kind of this weird oxblood color. <laughs> it just kind of blends in <laughs> to the surroundings. Um, so really opening up. Um, and thinking about um, uh, the, the participatory um, architecture, how we can invite the community in via the building, and also defining a, a media tech or a, or a gathering space in the building proper where we're able to host um, uh, all sorts of events and allowing us to better know and better serve our community and having that as a baseline to inform our other products and services that we offer as well. Um, but really, yeah, I mean, I kind of imagine it as like we're, we're going to set the table, we're going to invite everybody over for dinner <laughs> and, uh, and, and um, see, see where, uh, where this sort of collective takes us. Yeah, I mean, Portland Community Media is so fascinating that way in that uh, the real estate, both in terms of on uh, cable and television mm. that, it ha- that it controls, yes, as well as the real estate that it has physically yes. is really amazing. I mean, I think in juxtaposition, I mean, you, you were just describing the building and it does have a certain Soviet era <laughs> aesthetic to it. Not quite brutalist, but getting, <laughs> but getting there. Yeah. And and quite near the Nike outlet store. Yes. As a comparison, which is bright, light, inviting. <laughs> and and it, it's just, it is fascinating. And, and the amount of potential mm-hmm. that Portland community has, I mean, it has to be almost overwhelming for a new executive director. It is, I mean, I haven't been sleeping that much because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm so excited. Uh, it, it was, um, I, do, I do feel a bit spoiled actually because the Hollywood was a, 
the turnarounds took a bit of time and it was uh, the, the situation was was a lot more dire at the outset in terms of you know can we even make payroll this month and of course the organization's come full circle now and is a tremendous success story um, but uh, but yeah I, I kind of I walked into my office on the first day and I'm like so wait there's no there's no real fires to put out overall it's it's fundamentally a realignment kind of looking at structure, system, strategy, um, how that's going to affect the underlying culture. Uh, we have a great staff, but it's a, it's, a, it's a matter of providing them with the tools that they need in order to, to, to be successful. But yeah, it's, it's a very exciting thing um, and uh, a tremendous responsibility, which is why I um, am as much as possible inviting as many folks to the table. I'm a big believer in um, just get as many fantastic, brilliant people together in order to um, to collectively inform the process um, uh, of revitalizing this the space especially during such a critical time where technology and media is shifting so radically to ensure that um, that we're future proof to some extent as far as as far as you know an organization can be at this time but at present you know it's so heavily invested in TV um, where things are shifting, absolutely you know faster than the speed of light and um, not being in a position like that again where we are you know stigmatized or 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 left behind to some extent but ensuring that we're using resources responsibly and that we're we're, we're maximizing you know every single penny that we're getting <laughs> in order to um, to create more value for the city and I guess just as an aside too um, given this is the nonprofit hour I should let people know um, if they're affiliated with nonprofits, that we um, offer free or low-cost access to uh, media production equipment. Uh, we also have a, um, a production company in-house that will create content for uh, nonprofits in town. And also, if you're a nonprofit with um, content you'd like to air on our channels, you can get in touch with, um, with our programming staff, and they will happily um, ensure that there's a, there's a spot for you. We're talking to Justin Harn, the new executive director for Portland Community Media. Justin, another song suggestion? Yeah, um, Lucky Dragon's uh, Mirror Friends. And why that song? I This is one of those songs that I put on um, when I'm in grant writing mode, and it's very meditative. <laughs> so it'll just be on, like, repeat um, while I'm, yeah, plugging away for, you know, hours at a time, uh, refining language and all that good stuff. Kind of a boring story, but... But yeah, it's a great song. Check it out. All right, it goes out to everybody that's out there right now writing a grant.
This is the Nonprofit Hour on X-Ray FM. Uh, we are pleased to have Justin Harn, the new executive director from Portland Community Media, in the studio with us. Uh, before we went to the music break, uh, we were talking a little, we were touching on some of the funding, and I, I want you to explain the community media model, because this is something that exists in most major cities, and it's essentially, it is a uh rebate from the cable stations i'm not saying the word right yeah it's confusing many people don't understand and actually i i didn't fully understand um uh you know at uh, at the outset so essentially um 
the FCC ruled in favor of monopolization, <laughs> as the government has been doing. Uh, not good. Um, but anyway, so Comcast um, won the, uh, the the contract for um, for Portland, and they're required to provide a public benefit. So Portland Community Media is part of that public benefit. Uh, so essentially, if you're subscribing to Comcast, thank you. Uh, part of your bill is going to fund um, this public benefit in the form of ensuring that there's access to technology and um, storytelling tools for um, uh, the population of Portland. And um, I mean, initially, community media began as this really interesting group of activists and experimental video artists that were creating really compelling work. And um, I think over time, it's been you know, several decades now, maybe 35 years or so, um, that this, this funding is just has, um, come in year after year and as such kind of like really, um, taken a toll on creative energy and has, has created some of the things that, that, that alluded to prior, these sort of like vanity projects, um, that are, that are, that are pretty, pretty weird and out there. I mean, Jim Spag could be considered outsider art to some extent, uh, that might be a stretch, but um, and Jim, Jim was the the naked guy. Jim was the naked guy with the cardboard guitar. Yeah, and I actually recently revisited some of his stuff. It's really, it's really interesting. <laughs> he was a weird guy, uh, but very fascinating. Um, definitely had a point of view. Definitely uh, a staunch defender of, of First Amendment rights. And um, actually, I was I was recently sent some videos from uh, from the PCM archive. Uh, Oregon Historical Society and, and my friend Matt Cowan over there, who's the film archivist, has been kind of digging through um, a lot of a lot of content. And there's some there's some fascinating stuff, you know, these weird time capsules. And some of the production is just absolutely fantastic, really interesting. So also looking at kind of compiling and 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 honoring that that legacy, some of the some of the higher higher uh, quality stuff, and oh, some of the stuff that's maybe not so high quality but still interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so so. And so, com- so Comcast essentially is funding, yeah, <laughs> uh, the, the uh, is funding these these six stations for Portland Community Media, which uh, it's not quite a paradox, but I think it's interesting in that it's funding, uh, some so, lack of better word, some of the the fringe or the more artistic production uh, that that maybe Absolutely. you wouldn't necessarily see on the mainstream channels. Yeah, and I mean, I mean we're so we're so grateful for the work of all these amazing um, uh, advocates for the creation of, of this sort of public benefit. Um, the Mount Hood Cable Regulatory Commission, the um, uh, Office for Community Technology, they're staunch advocates and supporters and, and, and are what have allowed us to maintain this, this sort of community service. There's a lot of cities across the country that their, their um, community media centers have, have gone away. Um, you would imagine Los Angeles would have a, a really impressive community media center, but those were those were eliminated um, a long time ago. So it's it's unfortunate, and and we are absolutely um, you know we stand on the shoulders of these really visionary, pioneering folks that were able to get us to 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 where we need to be. But yeah, in terms of in terms of this this interesting uh, relationship that we have with Comcast, we're so grateful for their support, um, but. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> it's not something that they would carry normally <laughs> if they if, uh, <laughs> if they were making the call. Um, so yeah, very very um, uh, fortunate to have that sort of protected resource 
Um, and again, we have our contract through 2022, just ensuring that we have we have this this um, access point for folks to to come to learn how to tell stories, to learn how to um, to use the most recent technology, and then to have a platform to be able to to get the word out about things that they care about and to affect positive change in the community. So the the potential the potential is huge, and we just want to you know continue pushing in that direction, amplifying and and uh, yeah, providing folks a, a voice. This is the Nonprofit Hour. We have a number of executive directors out there that are listening, and, and certainly it would sound like an incredibly envious position to be in. Your organization owns the building it operates out of. Your organization yes. has an amazing amount of uh, equipment, and 70% of your funding is guaranteed for the next six years. I would assume that that would free you up to really concentrate on programming. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, we are in we're in a phenomenal position, you know, and given the fact that um, uh, just just what I've seen at, at, at various nonprofits that I worked at and I've served on the boards at um, having, you know, core funding and a uh, a building that's owned outright in order for us to house our programs is huge. And um, yeah, I mean, it's a very exciting time in order for us to uh, to take things to the next level. We really do have to be investing in and and programming we're going to be hiring a a good number of staff uh, kind of doubling down on the sorts of um, services that we're able to offer and and the quantity and volume and overall scalability and uh yeah it's just a it's a phenomenally uh exciting time and i do feel spoiled absolutely without without question and also feel even more pressure to perform because i can't i can't say oh we didn't have any funding for that because um, we, we do. We have we have the resources to do some really amazing things. And um, that being said, of course, development is still a huge part of my of my of my job in that, you know, funding isn't guaranteed past 2022. We'll renegotiate with um, with the city and and, um, and franchise holders, Comcast, Frontier, uh, Google. But with Google, Google Fiber coming in um, and everything switching to broadband, it could be a really different terrain. Um, so approaching development um, as one would at a more typical nonprofit where we're um, diversifying revenue, generating earned revenue from the building as possible, um, working with um, institutional funders and also courting individual donors um, in order to, to, to maintain the level of services that folks have kind of come to expect from, from Portland Community Media. Justin, let's let's take it out with one last question. I know that you're you're you know barely two months into your tenure as the executive director of Portland Community, but I know it all. Come on, <laughs> what what do you do? You already can you see it? Your retirement party? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, is there is there what what are you hoping people are going to raise their champagne glasses and toast you for? What what legacy are you hoping? Have you thought about that? Uh, I don't know if I've gotten quite that far. <laughs> I mean, I'll have it pretty much figured out by the end of the week. So, Perfect. you know, I can, I can probably tell you then, um, we can do, do the mic drop and all that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think kind of thinking big picture about where, where we want to go as an organization, if we are able to create the sort of authentic relationships that I think, um, effective programming is hinged on. If we are able to fulfill an essential need in the community and help creative people take their practice to the next level and further solidify Portland and the Northwest as a, um, uh, a resource nationwide for independent media, um, and, uh, the creation of, of, of new compelling works, then I think that we, we would have done done our job in terms of 
what that looks like, what that's contained in, who can say things are changing so quickly and so radically. Um, um, but it'll be really interesting to see where things head with virtual reality and um, augmented reality and uh, yeah, immersive environments and all that good stuff as, as these sort of new formats for, for storytelling and, and ways of connecting people and communities. Justin Harn is the new executive director for Portland Community Media. Thank you for joining us. And one more song to take us out. All right. Um, uh, Thundercats, Heartbreaks, and Setbacks. <laughs> <laughs> and does that, that needs really no explanation, I suppose? Basically, no. I mean, it speaks for itself, really. Uh, hopefully avoiding both of those. But, you know, it's life. So anyway. Let's take a listen. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. It's great being here. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Nonprofit Hour from the Media Institute for Social Change on X-Ray FM. To become a supporting member of the Media Institute and find out more about their work, you can visit 
MediaMakingChange.org. Members receive annual benefits and support programs such as the Nonprofit Hour and their summer documentary program. The Nonprofit Hour is also brought to you in part by generous support from Pacific Continental Bank and BusinessWorks. Find out more at therightbank.com or businessworkspdx.com. We also receive support from Living Room Realty, who are committed to living and doing business with meaning. And Ristretto Roasters, locally owned and small batch roasted since 2005. Four cafes in urban Portland and available at local markets and online. More info at rrpdx.com. Next up, we'll hear about the organization Awesome Portland from a conversation Phil Bussey had with Evan Henshaw-Plath and Megan McGeorge of the group. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I am excited to be in the studio today with Megan McGeorge and Evan Henshaw-Plath, who are both trustees of Awesome Portland. Yes. Yeah. Good morning. Good morning. Um, let's, I, I, let's just start with, with uh, so where'd the name come from? I mean, it's, it seems both cheeky and, and self-descriptive. I mean, the name came from when the Awesome Foundation was originally started as a project in Boston of a group of friends who just wanted to uh, make things happen and make things that were cool happen. And um, it was sort of, it's a little bit ironic, you know, but it's, it's about being awesome and mm-hmm. doing things and not having a lot of process and overhead sort of making things that are interesting so do you, let, let's let's start then at the beginning there so uh this awesome portland is something that happens in portland obviously but mm-hmm. it comes from an idea that's about five yes. or six years old yes yeah and and uh were either of you there at the beginning the very very beginning of Boston awesome portland no yeah no, so not. who started all of this Leslie Rogers. Yeah, Leslie Rogers uh, heard about Awesome uh, through an NPR story, actually. Okay. Um, and heard about people doing it in Boston, where they got together and they uh, everybody contributed $100. And mm. they uh, asked people in the Boston area to submit an idea. And they had a party and mm. they got people together and they listened to some of the Awesome ideas and they picked one and they gave them $1,000. And that simple idea of find non-institutional uh, art or social justice or environmental projects mm-hmm. that are interesting and cool and make the world a better place and just give them directly money to, is, uh, is what spread. And Awesome grew from there to uh, 81 local chapters in 19 countries and has given away over $2 million. Mm-hmm. So is this kind of like Shark Tank for hipsters? No, Shark Tank is about tearing people down and about mm-hmm. like sort of analyzing the business and the idea. Mm-hmm. And the Awesome Foundation is about presenting all these community projects mm-hmm. and having a party around it where we mm-hmm. celebrate community projects mm-hmm. and through that funding some of them. Yeah. So what, how about how about painting me the picture of a, of a recent? So you guys you guys just had an awesome party. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Mm-hmm. An awesome party in March. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how does that, where did that happen? Uh, who shows up? Uh, um, you know, get, explain the, the atmosphere a bit. Um, that was at Binks. And on Alberta Street. Yes, on Alberta Street. Very close to here. We had a, 
an additional there was all these finalists there was also a, an amazing trumpeteer that so I'm gonna, just I'm, randomly showed up can i just pause I, you there so you said there was finalists so people mm-hmm. have pre-applied at this yes. point yes yeah we have people yes. apply online through the website of awesomeportland.org okay and they submit their idea of what their grant idea is who they are mm-hmm. how they'd like to use the money and then we as a group pick mm-hmm. five or more organizations to come mm-hmm. present okay yes. And then they have, at the grant party, they have three minutes to pitch their idea. Then they can field a couple questions from the audience. And after we go through all five, then we go and deliberate and we pick a winner. And are people bringing props? Are they bringing uh, uh, posters? Are they bringing slideshows? Um, there's, Sometimes. There's, yeah, photos. Um, you know, we usually set up a projector and we get to see, you know, maybe their past work or their idea of what they're going to do. Some people absolutely do bring props or like... You know, um, or more. I mean, a number of years ago, um, the marching band <clears throat> Love yeah. Bamagogo actually brought in costume the whole band mm-hmm. and they played as part of their pitch. That's pretty persuasive. Yeah. Yes, they, yeah, they, they won. They won. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so there's uh, how many judges are sitting uh, uh, receiving these presentations? Oh. So there's about 15 trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes we have trustees who've been past grant winners, and we have trustees that we want to to have people from different communities participate. Uh, and um, we uh, give a hundred dollars, and we have guest trustees who want to learn and join us. Mm-hmm. And um, through that, we go and we we vote. And not every trustee shows up on on every meeting Mm -hmm. because people have travel and work schedules. Um, But we usually come to pretty close consensus. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's contentious. And occasionally, uh, when we really can't Mm -hmm. decide, we have to give two grants. And you split it or they each get a thousand still? No, we've given several. Usually we have to pony up extra if we just can't decide. And there's two groups that are just so fantastic and awesome. I mean, I would think that's tough because, I mean, it, it's, I mean, obviously you're, you're excited about an idea and you're also, in, investing is the wrong word, but you're giving your own money, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so it, it, it is something that is personal mm-hmm. and, you know, not every idea is going to be as exciting mm-hmm. to each of the judges. Yeah. Yep. And we, we, uh, we have this conflict inside, uh, our organization when we when we give this money of do we give it to flamethrowers or orphans mm-hmm. <laughs> because because yeah. you want you want flamethrowers and marching bands and crazy art mm-hmm. but you also want to make portland a better place we want community gardens and we want food programs and we want mm-hmm. cooperatives and we have to balance out those two spaces between you know crazy amazing mm-hmm. art and um community projects that are are small and grassroots so they wouldn't get funded normally and i and i feel like your your march recipient heather hawkins mm-hmm. uh kind of found that balance didn't she i mean can yeah. can you describe what you who was the award winner for march and 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 what was she doing or what's she up to the portland puggy bank which um is a big um ceramic puggy bank that um is raising money it's collecting money to house the homeless 
So it's, it's like mm-hmm. public art projects where we put out and we ask people to donate money. Mm-hmm. And then that money gets used mm-hmm. to, to address help. the homeless issue. Yeah. Where is, is this one one big puggy bank? Mm-hmm. That sounds uh, oxymoronic. Um, is, it's there's there's one puggy bank, one place. Yes. And then, the, then the, there's also then a people's choice. Yeah, there's always a people's choice out of the remaining four. We let the audience, you know, they get a raffle ticket and then they decide who we give the people's choice a hundred dollar prize to. And then so are are they ponying up some money as well? No, no. we haven't tried okay. that We ask for donations sometimes from the audience and sometimes people in the audience hear of a project that they like mm-hmm. and they provide funding. Yeah. So the people's <laughs> choice, I mean, I think that's interesting because I mean, so the... Heather Hawkins mm-hmm. won from the trustees' choice with the mm-hmm. Puggy Bank, which mm-hmm. is a puggy yeah. pug. Yeah, yes. it's like a, it's a it's a piggy bank where you put money or coins in it, but yeah. it's shaped like a pug, and it's you know um, a piece of public art that collects money to address homelessness. And then the audience that was there also chose to give to Heather Brown, and mm-hmm. she's going to create gifts of music and and. Yeah. It sounds like almost like mix CDs and then leave them around the city for people. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Hey, so what? Else, because a lot of the things that you guys do 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 revolve around music. Um, how about a music choice? And let's take a quick break. Okay, I think the first song that we're going to listen to is "Winter Skin" by Those Willows. So they're a local duo, and we always have music at our grant parties. Um, They've performed with us before. This is Phil Bussey. It's the Nonprofit Hour. I'm talking with Megan McGeorge and Evan Henshaw-Plath, who are both trustees for Awesome Portland, which is an awesome organization that that gives out small, can I call them grants? Yeah, they're grants. Yeah. Yeah, small grants. No string attached grants. Let's take a listen. We'll be right back.
That was a local duo, Those Willows, and this is the Nonprofit Hour. I am talking with two of the trustees from Awesome Portland, Megan McGeorge and Evan Henshaw-Plath. Uh, so, so, Megan, how did you originally get involved in it? You're, you're a musician. Mm. I am a musician, so I, I initially, I, I played a show and there was a trustee at a show and she said, hey, I'm a part of this really cool organization um, and we have a grant party next week. Would you, could you play? And so I and, and you play piano. I play piano. Mm-hmm. I'll play piano and I sing. And um, so I I played the grant party, and of course I was there to witness all the all the amazing, inspiring projects, and just how quickly and um, quick and fun it all went down. And I at the time was kind of planning the next year of a project that I'd already started, which was called is called Piano Pish Play. And so I, I, before I left that evening, I said to Leslie, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be back. I'm going to apply. I have this project. And, um, I applied and I became a finalist and I lost out to (laughs) 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 X-Ray that time around. But I said, Leslie, um, I'm going to reapply because at the time I really could not have been able to do that first year of multiple pianos without financial help. I had, you know, and I, I think when we speak about what makes a good grant um, application later, if we do speak about that, um, you know, I had I had done everything I possibly could have done in my own power to make the project happen. But, you know, moving up, moving pianos and tuning them, I cannot do that. And those are very specialized things and, that I needed to pay some people for. So the, the one thing I really, really needed was some money to support that. So and so, just real real quickly, the the piano push play. I mean, I think a lot of people are familiar with it, but maybe don't know the name of it or don't know yes. all the work that's behind it. Yes, um, piano push play is the project that I began. I rescue old uprights, spinets. This year, we're gonna have three baby grands involved. Um, I so I rescue old pianos. I give them to artists. Um, who have a couple months to to decorate them any way they want, except for they just have to say, please play me on them. And then in the months of July and August, I put them on street corners and in parks of Portland before I donate them at the end of the summer. That's great. Yeah. And, Uh, yeah, we're doing 20 this summer. So it's grown from 1 to 5 to 6 to... 10 to 12. And and, and and parks around the city. I mean, this is in Laurelhurst Park. This is yes, in, in Laurelhurst in... Peninsula, Mount Tabor, Powell Butte, Council Crest, Kenton. We've got half of the pianos are going to be parks and recs pianos, and they'll go to two parks each for two weeks. Do you ever hide in the bushes and, and, and spy on and see what people All the time. <laughs> My favorite thing is to just sit back and watch what happens around one. And not to, not to be playing at one all the time, but like really just like see people stop and listen people stop and take a photo or like tell their friend to play or just have a little moment like sing you know it's uh, it's amazing yeah. i would think that there'd be like like seven seven steps of emotion you know like the first step being <laughs> sort of like like that that look of like you just found sasquatch <laughs> i mean to see a grand a grand piano yeah, in it's gonna be amazing this year yeah it's amazing every summer but um i'm very excited and tired <laughs> but i'm yeah it always just just like going to these parties 
is every time. It's like a, a breath of fresh air. It's always so inspiring to see whatever ideas people are coming up with or wacky games that they want to institutional. They want to start like the big giant soccer ball that mm-hmm. that guy from Reed wanted to do. Um, you know, every, every year, even though it's so tough when you when you see, you know, uh, things happening with people making connections to others, like it makes you want to work harder and well, I mean, let, let, creative. Maybe as some insight, why why do you do this? I mean, because it's it's obviously I mean it's it's not necessary, but it's it's a clearly it's a value added. Like what what is can, oh, can you piano. can you explain why you want to put pianos into parks? I I think there is something there is a connection that almost every person has to this instrument. Every so many people I've met that find out that I do this or whatever, you know, that I, I thought I knew well, you know, will tell me, oh, my mother was a piano teacher or, oh, my grandmother played, I know one song or, you know, there's a piece of piano music that I've always loved, you know, I don't know. I think there's something really special, unique. And I think specifically for many musicians, this is like the gateway drug to like a lifelong passion for um, you know maybe they started playing trumpet but you know the piano is their first instrument and so they got into music and then you know so many people start with this they have a connection to it and is i mean is it is it tough so now <laughs> you so that was four years ago yeah and and now you've switched over to being a trustee and and you're mm-hmm. obviously you're on both sides of the coin as yeah. it were like you're both recipient of grants and and you're out providing things and adding things to Portland, but then you're also on that other end that mm-hmm. you're encouraging, you're inspiring. Mm-hmm. Is that is that tough to switch gears between those two things or are they the same? Does that come from the same place? No, I don't think it's it's tough at all. It's um, It's been really enlightening for myself when I apply for grants <laughs> for <laughs> because you, you really realize, oh, I'm thinking, you know, from my other other side of the the board, you know, what what do I want to hear? What's the clearest way to get what I need across? And you know, what's what do I not need to put in there? What what is the most essential way to say, oh, you know, this is what I need this, you know, support for? So, um, and it's it's again inspiring, and it's great to um, help others, you know, do what it is they want to do in some little form. Yeah, I, I would imagine that's that's really exciting, especially because you you are dealing with uh, individuals who are not usually part of a nonprofit and mm-hmm. who are not outside of you know more traditional funding sources. Mm-hmm. And a thousand dollars grant is like mm-hmm. a real uh, it's a real vote of confidence. Mm-hmm. Not not just the money, but it's a vote of confidence. Absolutely, that's what I always say about yeah, and how people. I felt. Get the money, and then they're like, "Oh well, I I really have to do it." Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right, I, right. Of course, you know, it wasn't just this this fanciful thing, you know. But going, we've had a couple, we've had many applications where it's this is some dream that I've always wanted to give my friends. I want to have a silent disco dance party up on Alberta, and you know what would just make it that much more awesome is you know having the support to really like get the right headphones, do all this thing, just make this one time, maybe one time experience for strangers or friends. And, you know, that's something that is a dream to people. But, you know, in reality, like, you know, if they didn't have the thousand dollars, you know, it's just a thing that's not going to happen. But it's, you know. 
Yeah, and you I'm guys bring a fun. lot of lot of great music to the uh, the awesome events, uh, the awesome parties where people are are pitching their ideas. And we're, let's we're going to listen to another one of those bands in a second. But before we go there, I I want just to talk a little bit more about what is it that uh, as the trustees you're looking for in these applications. Obviously, it's it's the idea, uh, it's the ability that they will actually complete the idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whether or not they've thought it out. It's also whether or not a thousand dollars makes a meaningful yeah. impact in the project. You know, uh, we want projects that a thousand dollars will help push it over the 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 you know the edge in terms of yes, it's actually going to happen, mm-hmm. and we want things that have a longer term impact. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we we don't tend to like. You know, we'll just use this to to pay stipends. Mm-hmm. But but if it's like we have a music studio and we need a thousand dollars to buy the equipment to set up a music studio so that we can teach people to do hip hop, that's a mm-hmm. that's a a great example of like we don't have the resources in our community. We're mm-hmm. working hard. We're trying to get it all done. Mm-hmm. But a thousand dollars would make a big difference, mm-hmm. um, and make a difference to a bunch of people and inspire others. Mm-hmm. And, and is that part of like something that you just said, Evan, is that you don't have the resources in your own community? And is that a reason why somebody would come to Awesome Portland as opposed to a, a, a crowdfunded? Uh... Sure. I mean, lots mm-hmm. of projects we fund also do crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things you learn by writing up your proposal and mm-hmm. then getting up on stage and pitching in front of an audience and trying to to sell it as mm-hmm. it were is you learn how to present it. And so mm-hmm. we get funding in the nonprofit world to people who become really good at writing grants. And they're really good at a, a kind of professional way in which they present the projects and they do the reports and everything else. But the Awesome Foundation acts as a pipeline to that because um, many people who come from communities of of artists or or activists in in various communities they don't have those skills yet, and so um, by doing this we let them work on their projects we let them present it and they develop their own skills. How many projects now has Awesome Portland funded roughly? Um, we've been around for four and a half years. Four and a half correct? years, yeah. And we do six a year. So that would be 24 or five. <laughs> right. 24, 25. That's oh great. God. 24 <laughs> projects that may may not have otherwise existed. And Evan, how did you get involved in this? We we, we had talked some with, with Megan, who is who is a piano player and, and uh, who has a fantastic project, Piano Push Play, that, that is, we will start seeing pianos all around Portland this summer. Mm-hmm. Yes. How, how are you involved in all of this? So uh, I, you know, I work in in tech as a software developer, and I had friends who did Awesome Foundation projects in in a number of different cities. So one friend in in Porto Alegre in Brazil, and then uh, London and San Francisco. And so I'd been hearing about friends doing this, and um, and then I, I realized that a, a Portland group had got started, and I was like, well, this this sounds like a lot of fun. This sounds like a way to to give back and to connect and to foster a a a deeper community of people engaged, and and so I got involved a few years ago. And and what has been um, as you've been involved, 
Has your attitude towards what Awesome Portland can accomplish, has that changed? Sure. So one of the things at the beginning when I got involved, Wes, is I was like, okay, we're we're just another granting institution. And uh, we actually said, well, maybe we should incorporate as a nonprofit and, and do checks and do like actual, you know, tax deductions and everything else. And uh, over time, it evolved to that structure for the scale of what we're doing doesn't make sense. And so... Uh, we don't get a tax write-off for it. We just contribute cash. We do cash to this. It's it's legally just a gift. And that let's make it lightweight. Let's mm -hmm. make it just directly about funding organizations that don't fit in the normal institutional funding. That's evolved over time. And that's how sort of awesome Portland has uh, occupied a niche in the space, which is, you know, where where can people get sort of that initial funding for these one-off projects that mm -hmm. like X-Ray or mm -hmm. Push Pay Planet become long-term in, engaged projects. Mm -hmm. and, and and over the years, have things become, uh, for lack of a better word, more sophisticated in terms of the pitches that people are bringing in? I, I would think as more people find out about it, it becomes potentially more competitive. We had some real sophistication when we had a, a themed grant from high schoolers, I think, like they were some of the most professional together presenters that that we've seen recently this year um and that was that was great they they were fantastic mm -hmm. it was amazing to see all these high schoolers come in with projects and yes. that was one of the times where we had to give multiple grants mm -hmm. because Absolutely. they were multiple projects that, that we just felt needed to get funded so specifically mm -hmm. you guys hosted a, a, a an awesome portland for high schoolers yeah, yeah. we had over the past year had received many applications from kids that were, you know, underage. And we usually have our parties in, in, in a place that serves alcohol. So we couldn't ever, you know, a lot of them were super valid, um, but we technically couldn't have them at the grant parties. So we, we decided to reach back out to a couple of the people that had applied in the past and um, really pushed um, when we opened applications that time to people that we knew that taught, you know, in high school and all the different yeah. stuff. So we went to Ford Food and Drink in, in mm -hmm. Southeast and said, hey, we want to do this thing and we want to have it at a time and we want to make sure that uh, people who are underage can come and participate. And we said, this was last November, only only youth can apply this time. Mm -hmm. And we had a, a flood of fantastic applicants. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. And so you had two winners. No, we I think we had three, three winners. Three winners. Wow. <laughs> we had three winners. And then we gave some other money for some follow-up projects too. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Can you do you remember any, uh, a couple of those winners or a couple the, of those projects? The, the I think the the grand prize winner, the official, you know, uh, big winner was the um youth uh youth music recording studio yep, in, in Rosewood. In Rosewood in East Portland and the mm -hmm. Camions of Care. Camions uh, of Care. Uh they give out um packages to homeless women for their natural needs um and she just spoke at tedx the girl the high schooler that um began this organization and now has like seven outposts and she's incredible she's gonna kill that's it. <laughs> i mean that, that that is really that how much do how much do people stay in touch with you or how much do you stay in touch with them because you are at a particular gestation period for a lot of ideas of of both uh, giving them that that money that they need, giving them the confidence that they need, and and also a lot of these people that who can successfully do this are mm -hmm. obviously going to keep growing. Um, are there ever reunions? 
Sometimes we ask people to come back, but we do mm-hmm. we do a few things. Um, when we invite people to pitch at the grant party, we offer mentoring beforehand. And so some of the organizations take advantage of it, and we have one of the trustees go with them and say, okay, how do you structure your story? How do you structure your pitch and what you're doing so that it'd be more effective? And then for all the groups, uh, we offer to connect them up and and talk to them after the party as it's wrapping up to see what organizations we can connect them to, if there's any other way we can help, even if we didn't fund them, to try and say that, you know, money is what brought you together mm-hmm. for this, but how do we make all the projects be more effective. And then afterwards, we we put them on a list and we send them updates. And every year or so, we send out a note saying, can you give us an update of how things are going? Mm-hmm. And some projects are wildly successful and, and some are not. And that's part of the idea is we're trying things. Mm-hmm. Right. Absolutely. And this, this is not a business. You don't need everything to be successful. And it's, it's okay to throw noodles on the wall and mm-hmm. see what sticks. Yes. Megan McGeorge, Evan Henshaw-Plath, thank you guys both for uh, the work that you guys are doing. Awesome Portland. Uh, people can find out. People can come to the parties that are open. Mm-hmm. Yes. People can pitch. That's an open process. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, how does one go about starting that pitch? So you go to our website, awesomeportland.org, and that has a description of past projects and what we're working on. Mm-hmm. And you should read about the what worked and the projects and, mm-hmm. and, and there's guidelines for how to present it. And then you fill out the form online. It's there. very simple. I think it's five questions. Yeah, maybe. five questions. And you can upload some images if that's useful and provide a link for more information. If you have a website or more information about it, an article about your project. And then... Uh, what we do is every two months we get together and we, we read them all over and we have a discussion about them. And uh, if you're selected to come present, we'll send you an invitation. It's I, it's great work that you guys are doing. It sounds like a lot of fun as well. Uh, thank you guys both for coming in. And how about one more song to take us out? Yes, this is a song from El Zamora, who uh, is a painter and a guitar player and lives up in St. John. Wonderful. And this is the Nonprofit Hour.
now come to the end of this week's Nonprofit Hour show. The show has been produced and edited by myself, Jason Dennington, and is recorded at the production studios of X-Ray FM. You can follow us on Facebook or via our Twitter handle, at Nonprofit Hour, and find archives of past shows on our SoundCloud page or podcasts on the Apple iTunes Store. If you'd like to make a comment or suggestion about an organization we should profile on a future show, please send an email to nph at mediamakingchange.org. We'd like to thank our guests on the show this week, Megan McGeorge and Evan Henshaw-Plath from Awesome Portland and Justin Harn of Portland Community Media. We'd also like to thank the Media Institute for Social Change, our hosts Phil Bussey and Julie Falk, KXRY Radio X-Ray FM, and you, our regular listeners. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you have a great week, and join us again next week at noon on Monday for the Nonprofit Hour Show. Thank you.